on January the 1st, and I know that most people make New Year's resolutions and things like that um, in January, but I want to encourage you to hear what God is saying, uh, to add to what he's given you personally, and add these things to it, because I believe that this is the will of God. And I'll share one today, and next week we'll elaborate on that one, and we're just going to highlight it, then we'll go to another one. So today, we're going to talk about the mission for 2009. And the mission is really basically sending a person or people uh, forth with authority to do a specific task, a specific service. And today's mission that I'm revealing is to have zeal for the lost. To have zeal for the lost. That's one of the things that God will have us to do this year, coming year 2009, is have more zeal for the lost and unchurched. Because I believe that uh, a lot of you probably are like I am, that uh, I think about things that will relate to me, my family, uh, the things I do, and situations like that. And so I, I, wanted to, I want to be a better person, I want to be a better husband, I want to be a better father. Uh, but that is not the only thing. God has called us here, he's called us out of darkness, to be translated into his light, and he wants us to be on duty for him. It's all about him. It's not about us. And so he says, oh, now you have a problem, and your problem is that you don't have enough zeal for the laws. And I'm, you know, convicted that's correct. I really don't have enough zeal for the laws. You see, most people, they have gifts, and I like to disciple people, I like to mentor people, I like to uh, teach people. And if I could do that, and only that, I'll be satisfied. But that's not what God is calling me to do, only. He's calling me to step outside of my little box area, and he's calling me to do more of what he has asked me to do. And I need to not only be willing to disciple, but I also need to be able to uh, reach out to people. And... Some people like reaching out, but they don't like to disciple. Some people don't like to do either one of those, but they like to serve. Some people like to worship. Some like to, you know, fellowship. All those are very important, but we can't leave anything undone. So he's sharing with me that that's, that's for me, but it's also for you. I believe that we all need more zeal for the lost and unchurched. Otherwise, we would have uh, missed I believe, his purpose for us in 2009. Now, we gave you five areas that we said that in the next three years, he wanted us to be about doing. And we might draw from those five areas later on to focus in on one, or, one two, or three of those along with what he's asked us to do. But this is specific. This is not a, a midterm goal. It's not a medium goal. It's a, not a long-range goal. This is an immediate goal. We're going to reach the loss. That's what we're going to do because that's what he's saying. Now, we're going to give this, this in two parts uh, today. One is that we must 
begin to change our mindset for the lost and for the unchurched. We must begin to change our mindset. And what do I mean by mindset? You know, it's, it's just a way of thinking. I have, I have my mind set on discipling. I have my mind set on uh, teaching others, mentoring others. That's, that's what I think about doing all the time. But God says, I want you to change your mindset so that you can expand from what you like to focus on and to the, to the vastness of what I'm asking you to do, which includes reaching out to the lost. Also, we must begin to change our actions. You see, if we change our mind, it's going to help change our actions. Uh, but uh, we have to do something. And some of us, because of our personalities, we don't like to uh, confront people. We don't like to do what Amr was doing, you know, proclaim the, the good news to our friends. We don't like to do that. And so uh, we tend to avoid it. And that's the way I am, too. I, I tend to avoid uh, confrontation a lot of times because we always say, well, you know, they, they don't want to hear that. You know, they, they've heard the, 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 um, the, the gospel. Um, they're going to just get upset with me. You know, Thanksgiving is coming. You have a lot of unsaved, probably relatives. Christmas is coming. You, you're going to get together. But what better time is it to, to proclaim the the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now we can do it in a variety of ways, which we're going to begin to share with you. Next week you'll have a, um, someone's going to teach next week, and he's going to share with you his testimony about uh, how God is changing his life because he doesn't like to reach out either. He really doesn't. And he's, he's, he, he, he'd rather to do uh, other things than reaching out but God has convicted him, and, and I asked him, well, how are you doing this thing? And he said, well, this is the way I'm doing it. I said, I want you to share that to the body, because uh, this man I know, and he does not like reaching out, but he does now. And so, you know, he, it's still a work in progress, but um, aren't we all a work in progress? Let's think about why we got saved. Do you think that God, <laughs> you know, brought you out of darkness to just have fun in this world? You think he brought us out of darkness, you know, to uh, just do what we like doing? Do you think he brought us out of darkness to do his will? What is his will? His will is to win the loss. That's his will. Let's look at First uh, Timothy 2. One through four. In First Timothy two, it tells us uh, basically that we should we should do certain things. Uh, pray number one, and it says that uh, in the New American Standard, it says that first of all, then I urge you that entreaties, prayers, petitions, and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men for kings and all who are in authority so that they may lead a tranquil and a quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. God desires all men to be saved. 
So he can use us and he chooses to use us. He doesn't have to use us. He really doesn't. He doesn't have to use us to save a soul. He's God. He's sovereign. He can do what he wants to do. But he chooses to use us. And so he says, this is my will. My will is for all to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. Will you help me? So I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, birth you into the kingdom. I'm going to sign you up to be a soldier in the army of the Lord. Will you do what I asked you to do? Let's look at 2 Timothy 3, 2 Timothy chapter 2, 3 and 4. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Now, God has enlisted us. He's birthed us, rebirthed us out of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. And he's saying that I want you now to go into war with me for the souls of men and women. And he says that what I want you to do is to realize now you are in battle. And he explains to us in Ephesians about the warfare that we're in. He tells us we don't fight against principalities and powers and rules of darkness. You know, uh, we fight against rules of darkness, spiritual works in heavenly places. We don't fight against blood, flesh and blood. Blood. He says that I want you to have on a whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and have done all to stand, stand, have your lawns girded up with truth, and all the warfare armor that he's told us to do. So therefore, we are in a warfare. Whether you know it or not, you are in a warfare. If you're born again, you're in, in a warfare. And if you're not, you're in a warfare. Okay? You're just getting beat up, you know? And what God wants us to do is get on his team, get on his armor, fight for him, for the souls of people. And he says that, now don't entangle yourself in affairs of this life. And so what, what we tend to do is entangle ourselves in affairs of this life. We tend to think about and, and, and really get entangled in our jobs, you know, our marriages, our children, our, you know, recreation activities, all things that, that we have to do in this life, but we get entangled with that, those things. And God says, yes, you're to be, you know, a, a good child of God. You're to be, you know, a, a good husband. You're to be a good father. But you're not to get entangled with those things. You're to be a good employer or employee. You, you must not get entangled with those things. And he tells us in, in other parts of the scripture that if you're married, act like you're not. You know, because you got to be, you got to be concentrating on the warfare that you're in. See, when we stand before him in heaven... Our rewards, a lot of times, is going to be based on what we've done here. Most of the time, out of time, really, is what we've done here. And what have we done? We, we need to be about the Father's business using the gifts that he's given us to do to win souls. And so that's a weakness of mine. Is it a weakness of yours? And if it is a weakness of yours, then I'm saying make that part of what we're going to do as a mission towards God, we're going to, he's sending us out into the field to win the lost. And he'll give us a variety of, of, uh, of things and ways to do that that will fit you. 
Another thing that uh, we have to realize is that I don't care what your uh, gift may be. It can be like mine. It can be a different one. But he told like Timothy. Let's look in Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. Now Timothy, of course he was on the apostolic team. Timothy was left behind to do a lot of different things. Um, uh, to ordain elders and their place and all those type of things. Timothy was to lead people. But he says that, but you, verse 5, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Now, even though you're on the apostolic team, Timothy, even though I've left you to do a job, do the work of an evangelist. So if your gift is serving, if your gift is teaching, if your gift is um, whatever your gift may be, you might be gifted in music, do the work of an evangelist. Your gift may be um, like my wife's prayer, giving. Do the work of an evangelist. No one gets off from doing the work of an evangelist because that's why we are here. If not so, he might as well, once a person gets saved, take them on to heaven. Because they're no more good on earth. Do you hear what I'm saying? We have to be doing the work that he's called us to do. Helping him to win souls. Now let's look and see how we're going to change then uh, our mindset. Since I know my mindset needs to change, how must I change that? How can I change that? Because I'm bent a certain way. I like doing certain things, and I've been, I have a habit of doing certain things. How can I change my mindset? Let's look in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. The first thing that we need to do is to pray. We need to pray for a desire to please God and rather than ourselves in that area. If you're going to change, realize that it takes, it takes spiritual changing. You don't change because you just will to change. It's God in Philippians chapter 2 verse 13 that says, For it is God which worketh in you, both finish it for me, The will and the do of his good pleasure is God. So I have to ask God, God, Father, I do not have that burning desire to do that. I don't have zeal for the loss. And I know that zeal, by definition of um, Webster's Dictionary, it says that it's, it's passionate pursuit. That's what he said. Passionate pursuit. He says that it's enthusiastic interest. And I know that I don't have passionate pursuit of the loss. I know that. So if I don't have passionate pursuit of the loss, how am I going to get it if I don't have it? God gives me, he's working with me, both the will and to do of his good pleasure. So it starts with prayer. And it has to be a heartfelt prayer. It has to be an honest prayer. It can't be a making excuse prayer. You know, 
go out there, give me the tools, you know, I'll evangelize. If, you know, if it weren't for this over here, you know, I'll evangelize. No. Uh-uh. No. You pray and ask God, God, give me the will and to do of your good pleasure in this area of reaching out to the lost and to those who are unchurched. I know it's your desire, Lord, because you said so in Timothy. It's your desire that all men be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. And you choose to use me, so therefore use me, God. It starts there. Now, you say, well, you know, I've asked God for many things, and he, has, he just hasn't given them to me. I don't know why he doesn't want me to have that. that I just don't have the gift of evangelism. Matter of fact, a person told me one time, he said, you know, um, what, what the scripture is really saying is that everybody's not supposed to evangelize. It's just the ones who, has, who, who have the gift of evangelism. They're supposed to evangelize. And so, therefore, we are part of the body, so that part of the body is evangelizing, and we'll do our thing, whether it be uh, worship, whether it be prayer, whether it be teaching, and let them do the evangelism. We're still getting it done because it's, it means we're all getting it done because we're one body. I told them, you're deceived. Yeah. You're deceived. That's not what the man of God is. The man of God is everyone. Everyone reach out. Because the people who, who will listen to you won't listen to me. The people who listen to this person over here won't listen to, you know, you. So it takes everybody to reach out. God puts people across your path that you can reach them if you're open to them. He puts people across your path. He's assigned some people for you to save. Of course, through him, because it's him who saves. But you'll be the vessel. You might be the watering. You might be the sowing. Uh, you know, but God, he's going to get the increase. Let's look what he says about asking. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Because we need to know that when we ask things, we're supposed to receive. If we have a heavenly father that's sovereign, he's, he, all authority is given to him on heaven and earth. No one is outside of God's rule, then whatever we ask, we should receive of it. It says that, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if I know that he hears us, I know I have the petition of those things I have asked. Now, it starts off, we have confidence if we ask anything according to his will. Well, how do I know what God's will is? It's written. He just said, it's my desire that all be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. Is he lying? Or is that his will? And the King James will say, you know, the will of God is. So it's his will. It's his will for people to get saved. It's his will for you to go do that also. And so therefore, if you ask him, God, I need somebody to, to lead to the Lord. I need somebody to lead to you. God, I don't care who it is, send them to me. I'll send me to them. As I'm going shopping, as I'm going out to eat lunch, as I'm going to the supermarket, as I'm going to get gasoline, as I'm walking the dog, God, give me somebody at work. You know, give me somebody, Lord. 
Do you think he'll say, no, I'm not going to give you antibody. You don't need antibody. No. I guarantee you he'll do it. Guarantee. But you got to be open. Your eyes must need to be open. You can't, you can't go to the grocery store and not be looking for what God might want to do through you because there might be somebody there that he might want to say, hey, say something to that lady right there, Stella. Right there, right there say something there. And, and I know Stella. I know what she's going to say. No, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> she's not going to want to do it because she's going to be embarrassed if that lady said, what? I beg your pardon, you know. Come on. It's scary, isn't it? It takes faith, doesn't it? You, you, you need to go to the prophetic class, you know, to meet some Saturdays. Because, see, you, got, you learn how to move in a prophetic, see, you learn how to, how to you know, just uh, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit in those areas, you know. But even so, we miss it, don't we? Is it okay for someone, you know, to... Um, tell us, look, I'm not interested in talking to you, so would you please leave me alone? Is that okay? Right. Right, it's okay. You've done it many times anyway. You're not on evangelism. You've done on other things, you know. We do, we do so many things, you know. Girl Scout cookies, you know. Go around knocking on people's doors, you know. You want to buy some Girl Scout cookies? No. You know? Okay, you know. It's down outside of supermarket selling stuff, you know. We do that anyway, but we do it for a cause. Our kid needs to, you know, get a quarter here. And I said we have a cause to save souls. Let's look at another verse. Let's look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. We're trying to tell you that if you ask, you will receive. I'm all... I'm okay with you, Stella. Okay. <laughs> okay. Stella, no, I'm just playing with us. Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find that. It's, it's in, the, in that present tense, which means that uh, ask and keep asking. It's, it's, a continuous, it's a continuous thing. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking, and it should be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Now, you, could, you can't mean that, Lord. You can't mean that. He who seeks and keeps seeking finds. Now, surely you don't mean that. To him who knocks and keeps knocking, it shall be open. No, you don't mean that, do you, Lord? Or what man is there among you when his son asks him for a loaf? Will he give him a stone? If he is to ask for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being even, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? Is it a good thing to win souls? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. You think if we ask and keep asking and we keep asking and keep seeking and keep knocking, that he will open the door, he'll give us souls? John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14 13 and 14. And whatever you ask in my name, that I would do, that my Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. I know that the Father will be glorified 
if we win souls. I know that. Oh, I know that. He's glorified every time someone is plucked out of darkness. He's glorified. The angels in heaven, they rejoice over one soul being saved. I know he will be glorified. 1 John chapter 3, 21-22. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And he's given us the commission. He's given us to go into all the world to make disciples and to teach them to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You don't baptize anybody's not saved. What does God say about the lost? Whether they are not yet saved or they are unchurched. Because I believe that an unchurched person is lost. And when I say lost, I mean lost their way. In other words, that they're supposed to be in a body, but they're not in a body. They lost their way. It's like a, uh, he says, you know, uh, if you have one sheep, you know, uh, that's lost, why don't you leave the 99 and go get that one and bring them back? You see? Because God doesn't want somebody strand out there, lost their way. He wants them to be in the fold. What does God say about that? What does God say about the prodigal who, you know, he goes away, squanders the, the, the master's money. As far as money, he comes back. Does the father say, hey, you, you sorry thing, you know. Uh, you shouldn't have come back. I didn't even want to see you. No, he was looking for him. He was looking for him. He, he went, before he even got there, the father was already out there meeting him with a robe. <laughs> come on. We got to look for the lost. And he, matter of fact, the father said, my son was lost. Now he's saved. You know, he's lost his way, in other words. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's good news. Because if it were not for that good news, we wouldn't be here. Should we be about seeking to save that which is lost? Sure we should. Sure we should. Luke, Luke 15, 1 through 7. Now, all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near to him to listen to him. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable, saying, What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine and in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. When he has found it, he, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents then over the 99 righteous person who need no repentance. God is serious about the loss. 
Let's look at Luke 15, 17. Through 24. Now this is about the prodigal. You know he's already gone out. You know he's already wasted his money. You know he's now uh, at the at the end of his rope. You know he's eating with the pigs. But when he came to his senses and said, "How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But I am dying here with hunger." I will get up, I will go to my father, I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So when he, when he got up, he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion on him, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out the best robe and put, and put it on him. And bring out the ring on his hand. Put it on his hand. And sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and has come back to life again. He was lost, and now he's found. And they began to celebrate. That is what God wants to see us doing as individuals, going and reaching out to the lost and to the unsaved. Matthew 28, let's look there, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm telling you that God wants the lost saved. God wants the unchurched brought back to the church. God wants us to be about doing his business and not just our business. God is good. I thank God that somebody, somebody thought enough of me to uh, pray for me. Somebody thought enough of me to invite me to church. Somebody thought enough of me to uh, answer my ignorant questions. Somebody thought enough of me to be patient with me all the time that I didn't want to be here. I'm glad. And I thank God for all the people who took part in that process. And I'm sure that you came through a process. You, did, you didn't decide, I think I'm going to get saved today. We don't do that. You know? It's only by the grace of God. It's him who gives us even the faith to get saved. So somebody's doing something on our behalf. Won't, we should be doing something on somebody's behalf. You know, God, there, there are a lot of people in Lynchburg and surrounding areas. God has many people that needs him. And we don't know who they are. We don't know when they're going to be ready. Because it's, it's the Holy Spirit who gets them ready. All we have to do is get in our prayer closet and pray for the lost. And, and saturate this area with prayer. 
and then go out and do something. And as we are going out seeking to save those who are lost, then God puts people across our path. Anybody in, in, in sales know that you are not going to get sale after sale after sale after sale and no uh, by the turning you down. Anybody in sales know that. They teach you in sales that you're going to have to go to five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. How many no's to get a yes? But see, the no's shouldn't matter. It's the yeses that should matter. Because the no's are only saying no because they're not ready yet. It's okay. They'll be ready. You know, Satan is, is in, he's about getting people ready. He really is. Getting people ready to get saved. Because he, he's just going to mess over people. And, and mess, the whole world system is messed up. I'm telling you. That's, I mean, that's what I read in the Bible. You know? So he's, he's about getting people ready. They might not be ready now. You know? And I, I had a, a person call the church and they said, you know, do you help people um, uh, with uh, getting evicted? I said, um, yes, we do. In our church, we don't, outside our church uh, anymore, we used to do that, but we don't anymore. Uh, costs a lot of money to do that. I said, but uh, what church do you go to? Do you go to church? No, I don't go to church. I said, well, how about if I let one of the ladies of the church call you and uh, just try to share and help with, help you with where you are? Oh, no, thank you. That's okay. Okay. People are not interested yet, <laughs> some of them, in the Lord. They just want provision, you know. But that's Okay. That's okay. She will be ready. Someday. She'll be ready. Sometimes people get tired, sick and tired, sick and tired. Uh, that's that the way I was. I, I was. I was a teacher. And I thought I was okay. But then I started seeing people dying. They retired from teaching. They retired and died. And I said, my goodness gracious. This is not good. I said, my future does not look good. You know? <laughs> You know, I was thinking, you know, you, you teach, you're tired, you go on cruises, you know. And, and there's no, you're not going to have no money going on cruises, you know. Uh, you better, you know, keep working. So I said, man, you know, I got to change this thing. So I started looking at something else, you know. Uh, I said, man, I, I got to put my hope in something else besides this everyday thing. And I said, man, is there something out here that, that has a future to it? And that's when I found about the, the Word of God. And I said, whoa, this is good, man. This is good. The word of God is good. But I was trying to use the word of God and use God for my benefit. How many of you know that's not going to work? Uh, but God works with you in a way, you know. You know, he smiles and says, okay, if you think I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a get-rich scheme, that's fine, you know. That's fine. It's all right, you know. Um, and he entertained my foolishness for a while. And then he, um, you know, convicted me of, of, um, that, of my motives. And this, that's what God does. And somebody said, well, you know, I got to get right. I got to get myself right before I, before I get saved. No, you can't get yourself right. If you get, just get yourself right, you don't need God. You see? God will get you right. Just bring them in. And, and when we do that now, we're going to have to do something else when we start bringing people in. Because you're going to bring them in just like they are. And when you do that, they might not look like you. They might not smell like you. They might not talk like you. They not, might not wear the things you wear. They might, their hair might not be where your hair is, you know. You, do you understand what I'm saying? And so don't be looking at people all silly and funny, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, because, I'm serious, you know. Because, because see, they, they are sensitive to that area. 
because you've already told them, hey, just come. Just come as you are. You know, uh, people are going to be so friendly. And then you look at them. They got tattoos everywhere, you know. And you look at them, they got piercings everywhere. And you say, man, you know, my goodness gracious. Who in the world are they bringing in here, you know, messing up our church, you know. Come on. See, we've got to, we, we have to realize that the world is the world. And we were in the world at one time. Okay? And we were of the world one time. And now we're still in the world, but we're not of the world. And we're in the church. But there again, when we came in, we came in just like we came in. I was, I was listening to uh, Joyce Myers one time. She was saying she was teaching Bible study, women Bible study, with short shorts on and smoking a cigarette. And uh, can you imagine that? Uh, now, somebody could have, could have said, you know, you don't need to be teaching anybody anything. You know, uh, you need to get yourself right first. But look where she is now, you know. Also, you know, people come in the way they are. You know, and, and God will give them right. See? So we have to be open to the laws. We have to be open to them. And I know that, that, that you know, that doesn't fit some of your theology, you know. Uh, in your head it is, but not in your mind. And see, it'll be good for the for you, the day to come and you take them out to lunch, you know, and things like that. And you say, oh, no, man, I don't know. I won't take them out because no telling what they might be into. Uh, well, we have people coming into the church, and I'm going to tell you now, they, they, they come into church. I, I, have a pa- I have a pastor friend uh, in GCI. He came to church. He came to Manor's church, and he said that I came because of this girl I saw. Uh, uh, on the golf course, and I wanted to go to the church where she was, and I came, and I had, and I was drunk that day when I came to church. He said I, I, I had been drinking the night before, and I still had a hang. He said, but I came. He's a pastor now. You see? It's, it's amazing. People, people come to people come to church, and they've been smoking weed in the car, get out, and come to church, and it smells like it, you know. And you say, oh, my goodness gracious, why don't you go home and come back when you, when you are better? No, uh-uh. You are in the best place, you know, in church. But we're going to have to change our mindset, you see. Got to change that mindset. Let's look here. How can we change our actions? Now we talk about we change our mindset. We know how to do that. We're going to pray. We're going to act on it. How we change our actions? We had to pray again. <laughs> Everything starts with prayer. Look at Psalm 119, 23, 24. It says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be in a wicked way in me or a, a hurtful way in me, as the new man standard will say. And lead me in a way everlasting. See, I want, I want God to help me. I want God to search me. Help me to change my actions, God. Help me. Help me. Another thing we're going to do to help change actions, and we've already talked to the leadership team about that, is that we want to set weekly, obtainable, measurable goals. But now, we want you to stretch yourself now. Stretch yourself. But we want you to set reasonable, obtainable goals, weekly goals. See, if you set a goal, well, I'm going to reach out to somebody once this year, 2009. My goodness gracious. 
you'll do it in December of 2009, you know? But if you said a week ago, I'm going to reach out to somebody this week. And I know that, and I know that some of you don't run across people. I know people homeschool, like we homeschool our girls uh, once when uh, they were younger. We homeschool them. They didn't have any friends except for saved people, you know? And then the, the next door neighbor, which we didn't want them to be around, you know? <laughs> but you will still find people to reach out to if you will pray. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. You don't stay in your house 24-7 all the time. You're going somewhere, and God will put somebody across your path. Set weekly goals. Be accountable to others to check to see whether you're acting on your goals. Now, we're talking about a weekly goal. So your weekly goal might be, I'm going to reach out to one person, one person that God puts across my path. I'm going to pray to give me, give me, for God to give me strength and give me a courage to do this thing and to give me sensitivity to the spirit to know who to go to. And be open to somebody saying, hey, how are you doing on your prayer? How are you doing on your, reaching out? Did you find anybody this, this week? Did God give you anybody? Have weekly evaluations of your goals. See, if you don't set a goal, if you set a goal, just a general goal, I'm going to reach out. Well, you can't, you can't, come on, you got to set something that's attainable, something measurable. Okay? Have faith that God's going to answer your prayer. Now, our goal as a church, for each person to reach one person. Each person is old enough now to reach one person. That means that every team, every, um, Ever, ever someone who's, who's about uh, six years old and above, because I think you're, you're, you're about elementary school age when you're six years old, uh, probably five years old, you're in kindergarten. So if you are of age five years above, I want you to reach out to one person in 2009 to disciple them, win them to the Lord, disciple them, or they might be on church. They might be already saved, but they just get them in the church. And to uh, get them faithful, loyal to this body called Cornerstone. Now, you can save a thousand. doesn't matter. That's good. Angels rejoicing. But I want you to, just, to get them discipled. And I want you to get them in this church. Because when you get them in this church, what will happen is that that they're going to keep hearing the word, they're around you, they're going to fellowship, they're going to learn, they're going to do a lot of different things, and that's good. Now, that's, that has been done by many people here, and I want you to keep doing that. Now, how many is it going to take you to go through before you get, how many no's before you get that one yes? How many are you going to make? It might be five, might be ten, might be twenty-five, might be fifty. We don't know. But the thing is that you're going to do that. That's what you're shooting for. as a go. Now, uh, so... My wife and I are praying for 100 new people in this church by end of December 2009. That's what we're praying for. We're fasting and praying for that. And so, um, can you do that? And I counted, I counted the people that we already have. We have more than 100 that are, that are that age and above. More. Can it be done? Absolutely. With God, all things are possible, isn't it? Make your prayer list. You remember when we had the cross over another building? We had all the lists on it. 
What did you do with yours? You burn it up, didn't you? Okay. Make sure you get, get the list out. Not just somebody in, let's say I have cousins who need saving, or nieces I have, nieces, need, need saving, and, and, and sisters, brothers I have, uh, that's outside of Lynchburg. I'm going to still be praying for them, but I'm going to be praying for somebody here in Lynchburg. I'm praying for people who, who they, they live out of town, you know, I haven't seen in 30 years. But still, I'm, I'm going to be praying for somebody here in Lynchburg. And I'm going to be asking God to help me meet somebody. Also, if I go to the bank, I'm, I'm looking to meet somebody. And I'm going to talk to them. When I go to the restaurant, I'm going to ask the waiter or the waitress, hey, uh, have you given your life to Jesus Christ? I'm going to ask them. And you say, well, man, that's bold. That's rude. You know? <laughs> no. No. I'm in favor. I did that in favor and prayed with her. My wife and I prayed with a girl. And then I told the church there that this is a girl that, uh, you know, gives her life to Jesus Christ. She, she just wanted a way out. She was in a dead-end street, wanted a way out. You can do that. We're going to be encouraging you now. This is a total body commitment. Next week we're going to have the person come that will uh, give their testimony of how it's made a difference in their life, what methods they are using, and things of that nature. Can God send us? Can he really send us? Well, first of all, we need to be saved. Is that correct? So let's, first of all, um, make sure we are saved because you can't be in the army if you're uh, the God's army if you're in the other army. Okay? So we need to get in God's army. Let's bow your heads. Father, we thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy, Lord. We thank you for saving our souls, Lord. We will not be here today if it were not for you, Lord, if you didn't move upon us and give us the saving faith, Father. If there's anyone here that hasn't given your life to Jesus Christ, just raise your hand and put it back down. We'd like to pray for you for the salvation of your soul because God is good. Today is the day of salvation. And if you're here today and you say, well, you know, I've given my life to Jesus Christ. I'm just not living for God right now. You know, I've... Uh, you know, going away from it, straight a little bit. I'm one of those lost sheep. Uh, would you pray for me? Because I'm coming home today. If that's you, just raise your hand. We'd like to pray for you. Is anybody here that's like that today? You want to come home to the Lord? My head of prayer team, come on.